Hey everybody, just thought to let you know that this interview was actually recorded on Zoom, so apologies in advance if you find that the quality in comparison to our previous conversations are very different. But we'll be back in your ears with a more clean cut next time. For the meantime, enjoy the episode. Welcome to another episode of Alchemist Podcast, which is an extension of my blog, Alchemist in the Making. I'm your host, Kimberly Ho, the millennial who finds interest in anything and everything related to architecture. So today, our topic is depending on the context, really, but in this realm that we're talking about is operating on fear or at least moving out of our comfort zone. And I've brought on one of my long colleagues, Luke Sabato from Helen Project, uh, to discuss about his side uh, or his perspective in terms of uh, how he started his own project as well as studying architecture and um, the perspectives that has left us when we left the degree or finished our education as well. And so before we start, uh, Luke, would you like to introduce yourself? Hey all, um, thank you for having me first and foremost, Kim. Um, absolutely love what you're doing at the moment. Um, love your curiosity and what you explore with the Archimist. So thanks for having me on board. Um, my name's Luke. Um, so as Kim alluded to, I have a little side hustle at the moment called the Halen Project, which is a voice or career's voice for um, Generation Z, helping you take the jump into really identifying what you want to do um, in life. Um, but at the same time, I also work full time um, as a designer. Obviously not as an architect, I haven't become accredited. Um, so yeah, that's a little bit about me. Mm, wait, what, when you're, before we jump into things, I have a bit of a curiosity. So for those who don't know, Luke and I, we studied architecture together. However, after third year, when we graduated, he went on to his own adventures, whereas I've continued studying. And before we jump start into things, I would like to know a little bit more about your design project right now. <laughs> Yeah, sure. So um, after so we did the mentoring program together in 2016, which mm. was, um, I completed my bachelor degree. We both mm. did sorry. Um, after that, I went and got an internship at a firm called Jacobs, mm. um, who are a design and engineering consultancy firm. Um, so we mainly work on projects ranging from, or in the public or commercial sector, ranging from defence um, to health to uh, laboratory and life sciences. Um, and rail mainly. So it's very different, I guess, to what we were used to exploring at uni, which was uh, the Zaha Hadid kind of crazy facade looking parametric design. Um, and yeah, I, I guess when I, um, yeah, when I left, I, I, did, I did a bit of a stint throughout, I think my first or second year at a boutique design firm mm. and just realised that that wasn't for me. Mm. Uh, and that I wanted to understand more of the, the detail and the, the engineering that went on with it. Um, and Jacobs presented that to me. So then in 2017, I became a grad um, and I've worked there full time ever since. Mm. Yeah, because it's interesting how um, I find that generally for our degree, before we go into other conversations, it's like by third year a lot of my friends and I we are kind of stuck in this limbo of whether we want to become an architect or not because I'm not sure about you generally a lot of us by third year who 
has after many all-nighters, perhaps um, just a lot of intense study, we question whether we're really burnt out or it's just realizing that after three years of this immense amount of work, it's worth it or not and such. And so I wondered whether, like when you came into architecture, what introduced, like what appealed to you in terms of studying architecture and then coming out of it as well, given that now you are working in a place that you're happy with too? Yeah, definitely. So leaving school um, or even during year 12, I loved kind of business, but I had creative sign. I love visual communication design. So throughout year 12, I was a bit, uh, I think, I think looking back now, I was very undecided as to, or indecisive, I should say, as to what I really wanted to do at uni. So mm. I didn't, I didn't do any portfolio work, which meant that when I got my ATAR, which was decent enough score, mm. um, I didn't have any offers with relation to a design field because I didn't do the portfolio. So economics and finance popped up as the most kind of, um, yeah, as a kind of the best opportunity at the time. So I went and studied economics and finance at RMIT, absolutely hated it. Mm -hmm. uh, I loved, I realised I loved having variety throughout year 12, um, but doing business flat out full time as a degree just wasn't for me. Um, and that's when I started to explore architecture. Um, and I realised that's what I wanted to do. So I transferred, um, had a few meetings with a couple of the universities. I thought Monash was by easily the most exciting and innovative kind of program and I have no regrets with, with choosing it. Mm. Um, and even to this day, even though I think, I think the most daunting thing for me is that throughout 2016 when I was finishing my bachelor degree, I knew I didn't want to become an architect. Um, I knew I wasn't going to work in the field for the next 30 or 40 years um and we're talking about fear a lot and we'll touch on that later but that was really that was a really challenging period for me because there i am at 21 just about to complete a degree that i knew i wasn't going to use um, but in saying that when i look back i don't have any regrets with doing the degree because it's if anything teased out my creative side um, it allowed me to, I guess, channel my creative expression um, and, and really understand kind of who I was as a person and why I love design. Um, mm. So, yeah, the tool set that architecture equipped me with was just invaluable um, and I have absolutely zero regrets doing that degree, um, even though I know I don't want to become an architect. Um, but, look, I still enjoy doing it, which is why I'm still in the field. Um, yeah. Nine to five. When did you start having that realization, though, um, in terms of like you knew you weren't going to become an architect? I didn't. I felt like I didn't really integrate well into um, the degree as a whole. Or I mean, I, I saw a lot of people that we we did the degree with, and I thought I, I just I don't feel as though I didn't feel like I was a part of that kind of culture, or I guess that mentality of, of where architecture was going to take me mm. um, and so I think deep down subconsciously at least I struggled with it initially mm. um, but I just pushed through and it wasn't until I decided that I was going to um, apply for this entrepreneurial competition where I came up with this idea overnight mm. um, submitted it in a, in a two-minute video over Facebook and they said yep we love it we want you to come to our opening night and speak about it in order to try and win this scholarship of how to start your own business. 
And so there I am just about to complete. I think I was in my, my second or third semester of my third year. Oh, wow. And I'm up on stage and I'm talking to about 100 random people with a guest panel of entrepreneurs about this idea. Um, it was this architecture idea that I'd come up with um, and I ended up winning it or being one of the people who was fortunate enough to win it. So oh, amazing. <laughs> I'll, never, I'll never forget going to uni the week after. And I've just come off this massive high of winning this thing and realising that, shit, this is actually what I want to do. Mm. No idea of how I'm going to get there. Um, a lot of people were kind of identifying themselves as an entrepreneur at that stage. Mm. Um, but I, I just, yeah, I had no idea of what that looked like, but I knew that it excited the shit out of me and more so than architecture. Um, <laughs> Which, which, was, which was a scary thought. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I guess just going back with the architecture degree, there were a couple of – I think the best thing with architecture is you have the ability to obviously do different studios, as you know. Yeah. Um, and some of the teachers and people I met along the way were awesome. Some of the, some of the teachers were able – or, sorry, the tutors were able to really tease out of me kind of what I wanted to explore with architecture mm. and others not so much. So I think that kind of – um, struggling with those two, like really enjoying it and then really hating it. Mm. Uh, I think that was kind of the first time where I was like, yeah, maybe this isn't for me, but let's just pursue it. Like I need to have a degree under my belt. Mm. Um, so let's just pursue it. And then bit by bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think going back to like the topic that you talked about having a degree, it's, I'm not sure if it's because it's a generational thing. So I came from like, I did immigrate here, so I came from an immigrant family. Um, and it's just that we always, in the back of our minds, that we know that we need to get a degree because we want to continuously have a good education, like good future for ourselves. And it's just that nowadays everybody has, well, almost everybody has the access to education. And so there's this underlying pressure of having to study and then to get your footing in it. And I think the common worry or anxiety that we all face is that whether we will study or work in a field that we, are stu- we have studied in, which I think that perpetuates that fear or that uncomfortableness when we start to realise and start to question whether we're having like, I don't know, an existential crisis or what I like to call a premature quarter-life crisis. <laughs> like, <laughs> do we, are, we, are we studying the right thing? Are we in the right field? Um, and I think that also there's this meme from screenshot from Daria where she talked, like she talked back at her teacher saying that, so you're asking me to choose something when I'm 16, it, when you don't actually know what to do. And the reality is I don't think anybody really knew what they want to do when they're in high school. But, absolutely, absolutely bang on. And this is why the Halen Project is and why I'm so passionate about it because I realised that when I didn't want to do architecture and I wanted to go down an alternative path. I didn't mm. know what that looked like. Mm. And I thought, wow, like I've gone through two different unis, two different degrees, went to a great school. Um, I couldn't fault my journey leading up to where it got me at 21. Mm. And, I, and I thought to myself, I'm still not happy with where I'm at. And, and the worst part is I don't even know what that looks like. Mm. And so I was forced to retrospectively understand what happened along the way, like what went wrong. And I think you are absolutely bang on when you say that it is an unconscious expectation for us to go to uni. And I think that's born out of, again, what you were saying, that we are spoilt with opportunity leaving Mm. school, number one. Mm. 
Um, also, especially with our parents, I think there is that, even though they don't mean to at times, both my parents didn't have the same opportunity to go to university like I did. Mm. So working hard, putting me through a great school and then seeing me go to university was for them the ultimate sacrifice and the ultimate kind of reward and endeavour. Mm. Um, and so, but, but I guess the, back, the underlying message for them was like, you know, we want you to be educated and get a degree because that means opportunity. That means security for you, stuff that we didn't have. And so I understand that, but I think my biggest message to an 18-year-old at the moment who's maybe watching this is just pause, just relax. And when you get out of school, realise that the adolescent brain doesn't mature until 24. Mm. So you've got six years to really understand what you want to do. The second part to that is there's also this expectation of a job, you know, getting a job and having a career. Um, and that expectation sometimes colludes, I guess, or 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 or, um, or confuses a career path with being able to um, 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 serve as an environment for someone to really exercise their passions, their interests, and do what they want to do, as opposed to just serving a security or a status or you know a monetary kind of value. Um, and I think if if we can get people to realise that getting out of school that it's like, well, hang on, let's start to create the environment of what you want to do as opposed to what degree. You know, we should go to uni to explore what we really want to do. Um, I love hearing how passionate you are about doing a PhD. That is probably the worst thing I could think of doing at the moment. in all <laughs> but, but I love that that interests you and the fact that uni is that um, platform for you to explore um, and further educate yourself on what really interests you. And that's why I think we should, what I feel we should be going to uni for, not just to serve a purpose and to get a piece of paper. Mm, yeah, I think there's that common talk about like getting a piece of paper and uh, not to mention it's that because I feel that our generation now all, we've now grown into that phase where we are constantly glued to our phones or like look at uh, social media a lot because that's how some people need to stay informed or like that's their main access or news resource and um going back to some of the previous conversations i've had with my friend like you've got this we're i find that even as entrepreneurs because it's such a broad term i feel that everybody can also use that term but the terms instant consumption and instant gratification can actually also hinder in terms of doing what we want to do because um, when you look at Instagram, for instance, I tend to talk about Instagram a lot, I find, but you see how you've got this problem of wanting to get likes or like the search for overnight success. And, um, I think I came across this really powerful quote. I can't, I probably have to try and find it and put it in the notes later, but you've seen people saying that just because somebody is so successful now, they don't show you the layers of hard work and hustle they have to go through in order to be where they are and like personally I've seen my friend who's um worked really really hard to get to where she is now and the amount of stuff she does the thing is she never backed down despite knowing that there's a lot of risk and such and I think the other thing that we have to keep in mind is that we forget the risks that we have to be willing to take when we put ourselves out there as well so I'm not sure if that happened with you when you did the Helen project. Sorry, is it Helen? <laughs> Helen no, no, that's good. Yeah, no, everyone gets that. Don't worry. 
Um, <laughs> no, no, d- definitely. It was really, really hard for me. Um, I think the best thing I ever did was um, remove myself from my home environment. And when I say home environment, mm. I mean from what you only ever know, being your friends, your family. So I had a very cushy kind of upbringing and life up until 21 where mm. my mates that I went to primary school with, I went to high school with, met kind of more mates, had my footy mates, um, went to uni with them, still played footy. Um, and it was just so comfortable. And when I realised that I didn't want to do uh, architecture, it was it was really, it was a really scary um, realisation. And the best thing I did was to go and live over in the States um, for a year. Ooh. So I, I think the fear aspect is definitely prevalent amongst our generation, mm. uh, even if we don't realise. I think deep down um, what social media does, um, which is almost like a paradox, but what it does really well is it exploits all of our kind of insecurities or deepest fears. And it, it, it's, it's similar with going to uni. I mean, I know I went to uni because everyone else was going to uni or my mates were going to uni. Um, everyone at school went to uni. Um, I mean, I came out of a school where our median um, ATAR was like 86. So it was like, you're not going to get out of school and become a trade. Like you're going to uni, you're getting a degree. Um, so, yeah, it was... That was, I remember thinking that I really wanted to take a gap year first mm-hmm. year out, and that's probably my biggest regret. Mm. Um, I remember one of my best mates took a gap year and I, I remember looking at him and thinking, wow, you bum. Like, why are you taking a gap year? <laughs> what, what are you going to do? And it's horrible, but um, there was that mentality, that kind of, kind of brute mentality that well, if you're not going to uni, then you're doing nothing. So when I reached 21 and I realised that I didn't want to, actually exercise or use my architecture degree for the rest of my life it was like what do I do now Mm. what on earth do I do now so breaking away from everything I knew and and trying to gain new perspective Mm. um, was really really useful and that enabled me by going over the states that kind of enabled me to do that and yeah just to become more self-aware of who I was what I wanted to do meet new people um, people don't really give a shit, obviously, over there, you know, what school you went to, what you, what you studied and all that. Um, you know, they, they just want to get to know who you are at that point in time. So it allowed me to be maybe someone different to how people knew me back here. It allowed me to be whoever I wanted and I was able to talk about Halen and what I wanted to do with entrepreneurship and these massive audacious goals that I had. Um, it allowed me to dream again. And I think that's a that's a really beautiful thing that I wish a lot of us still did, but it kind of gets weeded out of us as we go through school because we're constantly thinking of, well, shit, what sort of job am I going to get? What sort of degree am I going to get? How much is that going to pay? How am I going to be thought of, you know, amongst my peers, my colleagues and my family? Um, And I think to never lose sight of that ability to dream big um, is really powerful and that's kind of what the States gave me. Mm, I think it's also like, if you think about it when you moved away for a bit I didn't even know that you moved away so that probably explains why I haven't seen your presence around but I just from like the way you've talked about thinking about what your friends are doing and what the expectations of I guess from the people you know it's perhaps it's also that uncertainty of whether you're being judged or not because it's like that a lot of internalized judgment that's been projected by 
um, that you've projected onto other people as well as like when we've grown up, we've heard other people talking about things and therefore it kind of built up our types of prejudice and also like that uncertainty towards things, which I think that leads us to being really, really critical too. Um, Because I could relate to you in some sense that when I was growing up, so I grew up in a very loving and very competitive family. So my dad's side of the family, we're highly competitive with each other, but we still respect each other. And I think back then, um, before I came to Australia, there was this a lot of ongoing pressure at the dinner table where we're always asked um, where our parents, like they don't mean it, but they just do it because it's a cultural thing. I feel like that's an excuse, but our grades were pitted against each other. And so that kind of gives, gave us the incentive that we just want to be praised. Like we're so sick of being told off and such and that we want to keep doing things well. And so I think one of the reasons why I ended up studying architecture was because it's gone to a point where I just really don't want to hear my cousin's progress being pitted against mine whereas if I study architecture I mean I still love it don't get me wrong but it was one way to remove myself from being judged because nobody was in that field and therefore I can't it's my way of escaping um and then not to mention like I'm very lucky enough that my parents knew that education here they wanted better education for me so they moved me here because I grew up in a very traditional school as well and so that may suit some people but it didn't suit me i was fortunate that i was given this escape and therefore i was able to foster my own thoughts as well over time um so i think like in some sense i think yeah i don't know if for you it was also the projection of like being judged like that uncertainty of whether you're being judged by others that led you to break out of that circle as well 100 percent. that's really perfectly put um i had an older sister who is now about to turn 31 and she was the model student um all the way throughout school mm-hmm. so she got an amazing score she went into do a degree three years bang done got a job ended up buying her own house and so the kind of generic pathway that we're all told to take she took mm-hmm. um and that was pretty daunting for me um, because I think I was expected to to take the same pathway. And even something as simple as moving out and renting at the moment with my partner, you know, my mum's still at the back of my mind like, oh, so when are you going to buy? Are you going to buy soon? And it's like, you know, I, I know now that I don't have to follow that same path, but back then I was so unsure of myself that that was really tough. Um, and everyone else around me wasn't doing anything alternative to that path. Everyone else was studying um, and it was really, really scary. And I think the biggest, one of the biggest breakthroughs for me was really learning about mindset um, and especially the makeup of our mind. You know, you, you talked about negativity. We are absolutely flooded with it, especially with so, social media today, which is so saturated um, with, with pretty much telling us how to think. Um, and you know, the thoughts that, that, that transfer through our mind reach a part in our brain, which is our fear center two to three times quicker than, um, the front part of our brain, which actually takes time processing it, mm-hmm. uh, which is the logical reasoning part of our brain. So if you think about everything that we see, we hear, we touch, we interact with today, it's, it, it's already negative before we have even time to process it. Um, and I think 
yeah, that back at 2021, I didn't have an environment where I could fall back on mm. safety net, a community, a group of like-minded people, which we're trying to build with Halen, where you can actually fall back on and really understand what you want. And I think, you know, we, we had a chat about mentors, mm-hmm. like that mentoring program. And, and I think there's nothing more powerful than being able to chat to someone and just even getting that reassurement. Mm. Like, no, it's, it's okay. Like when you think about it, we're 18. When we turn 18, we can drink for the first time. We can get our license. And on top of that, we're making the single biggest decision of our lives, which is what do I want to do for the rest of my life? Um, And at that same time, our minds are still developing. We're still Mm -hmm. understanding what we want. So it's a crazy period in our lives. And I, yeah, I'm, I'm very passionate about trying to get younger people to understand that they do have time because if you get wrapped up in kind of the fear of your own mind and the thoughts of your own mind, they start to kind of dictate the course um, of your life. And I think you get to the stage where now my sister is 30 and she doesn't necessarily love what she does, which is, which, which I find, you know, really, really sad because she's lived her life to the book. um, And she's kind of just deciding for herself now that, Oh, do I actually really like what I'm doing? Should I do something else? But, the same time she has a mortgage now and she's got real responsibility so if you can stop people from making that decision um, or having that realization later in life i think it would be incredibly powerful yeah and i would also say like i think a few i think a lot of us forget that that change is constant so like even though we all follow one path you need to realize that our paths are very different because i used to talk to my so i talked to my friend um, not my friend, my mom about this a lot, but like I used to kind of map the way I grow up in comparison to hers because we have very similar journeys. But it's like my degree was a bit longer in comparison to hers and therefore like she was able to achieve a few things earlier. And I look up to her so much that I want to do that. But at the same time, she said that you have to realize that everybody's process changes. And as you say about how our mindset shifts as well, that it's okay to be scared of what's happening before you, but to be okay with it, you need to work with it. And I think a lot of people forget about that aspect that I know we always hear that time is of essence, which unfortunately I'm still trying to wrestle with, but you need to be comfortable that time, yes, is limited. And so you need to be effective or be able to cooperate with that factor as well so definitely I, I think that's the hardest thing for all of us at our age is to own who we are and own mm-hmm. what we're doing so to, to can take complete ownership mm. um, that's hard to do when there is a level of uncertainty there because mm. you haven't reached that stage in your life where you have that credibility or that reputation where you've designed you know a million buildings and you know you're being recognized by other people by your peers um you know, within the industry and stuff like that, we're still trying to figure out, you know, where do we sit within the scheme of things. Mm. Um, And, yeah, I think especially going throughout school, um, you go from attaching yourself to your parents, you know, having the attachment model of your parents to then, well, how do I actually integrate into a group of people? You know, my friends, you know, my people I might play footy with, you know, what am I known for? What are my strengths? You know, why do people like me? And that's stuff that you try and figure out throughout school and even after leaving school, 
you're still trying to figure out, you know, where do I sit in the grand scheme of things? Um, and I thoroughly, thoroughly believe that everyone has a story to tell. Um, you know, that's literally what we're doing right now. We're just telling the story of the past, you know, few years and how we got to the point where we're at. And I think if more and more people can become at least more comfortable talking about that, they can own who they are, they can own their story. And from that surfaces really what they're most passionate about and what they want to do. Um, yeah. And that, that's why I think things like this are great because it's, um, it's displaying our vulnerability, I guess. And I think a lot more people need to do that. But it, it is a hard thing to do to be vulnerable, as you yeah. probably know. Yeah, yeah, that's true. I think even just being vulnerable, it's like we need to realise that Yes, we want to get the destination, but we need to remember that the journey is different as well, which I often find a lot of people don't discuss, or at least perhaps we're still young, so I haven't been exposed to a wide range of resources in terms of how do you get there? Or, well, it's more like how they talk about how to get there, but they don't tell you the things you will definitely experience while getting there as well. So... It, it's challenging for a lot of people and yeah I, I don't know I hope that in some ways that I think both of us were really fortunate to witness what is happening right now where a lot of people are now uh, stepping back re-evaluating their stuff and taking ownership of what they have but they need to realize that there are multiple ways of taking ownership apart from just like in like what you put on the screen it's the back end as well that you need to consider for sure, for definitely. There, there was a quote that came to mind. There were two quotes, actually. One is by Richard Branson, Sir Richard Branson, who's mm-hmm. um, one of my biggest inspirations, and he always says that the reward is in the journey. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a beautiful quote because we, we get so caught up with what's the process of our lives look like, you know? What's mm-hmm. the start with starting our degree and what's the finish with cashing out with a gold watch maybe when we're 50 in a firm or whatever it is and retiring? Mm-hmm. It's like... When, when you're actually doing something you really love to do and you're who you are and you're owning that, then it's a journey that you're actually living and the reward is every day mm. in everything that you're doing. It's not just in the end goal. Um, you know, the journey's infinite. And the second thing is um, Mike Tyson says that everyone has a plan until someone punches you in the face. <laughs> and, and it's and it, it's something he said about one of his opponents and I thought that's gold because it's literally what happens in life, you know. You probably know it, like you've got a plan to, whether it's do a degree, get a job or whatever it is, and something happens that you just mm. did not anticipate and you mm. think, like me, like really, did that, did that actually happen? And you're mm. constantly having to adapt. And I think the quicker you can adapt, but also the better you can become at surrounding yourself with the right people, the people that are like-minded and um, sharing the same kind of mindset as you where they're going to get you or help you get towards your goals. I think that's incredibly powerful because every time you get knocked down or something doesn't go your way, you're going to need to fall back on something or someone. Mm. Um, And I think if you're falling back on the type of people you've always maybe known and they're telling you the same stuff, then you're never really going to change, Mm. progress. Yeah, that's a good point. So who were your... I'm curious to know now, who are your supports or like who were there to, I guess, going back to our discussion with Stacey Flowers, like the five people who make you happy. So who was your cheerleader, like the person who was there when things were like going to shit? 
and such. Um, and then who is your, who's your mentor and your coach? So like those three people. I love that. They're great questions. <laughs> um, who was my cheerleader? Probably my mum. <laughs> and the funny thing with mum is that I don't think she can never fully grasp what I wanted to do with mm. the project and the big ideas I had with it. Mm. But she was undeniably my, my biggest supporter, my biggest cheerleader. Mm. Um, so I, I would say with her, and I, and I still think that's important because the three that you said, so you had the cheerleader, your mentor and your coach, is that correct? Yeah. And I kind of cup with the Halen project. We explore something similar where we say, well, "What's your, um, what's your inspiration? What's your mentor? And who's a role model in your life?" Yeah. And the role model I couple with a cheerleader, and that's my mum because she's good at the things that don't matter to most people. Mm. She's great at being a mum. She is great at being good to people. She's got a great heart, and that's stuff that I that I genuinely think is important. And sometimes you can lose sight of when all you're thinking about is, you know, where do I want to take my company or what do I want to achieve at work or, you know, what's the next kind of thing that I'm looking to do? So I think that's important to never lose sight of. The second one you said, um, being a mentor, I would probably say, God, at that point in time, I really don't think I had a mentor. Um, and I think that that was one of the hardest bits was to try and find one. Mm. Um, the best part about working uh, was that you, you had mentors kind of came naturally when you're working on different projects, you had senior architects that would mentor you. So that was great. And that was probably my first few signs of, of being mentored. Um, and the best part about mentors is if you're inspired by someone who says a Sir Richard Branson, you're not going to get there overnight. And so mentors bridge that gap, you know, they help you get there every day, every week, every year. And so mm. I can't talk, more highly about mentors um i guess fast forward to now i've probably finally got a group of mentors so <laughs> it's taken me like three four years to actually do yeah um and in terms of a coach that's a really interesting one mm. um in terms of a coach at the moment i would i would probably say my girlfriend my partner oh that's lovely and, no but the, the reason why i say that is because um, sometimes I can get really wrapped up in when I look back at the coaches I've had through football or through like, teachers or anything like that, they've been a friend just as much as they've, as they've been a support and someone that tells you what you need to hear. Mm. Um, and I think at the moment, my girlfriend's got the hard job of being my biggest critic, <laughs> but also my biggest supporter with what I'm trying to do with Halen. Yeah. And there'll be times where I'm just, I'm really down in the dumps with it. And I think, why the F am I doing this? <laughs> um, you know, things won't be going my way or I won't be getting, um, I don't know, the content just won't be there. We're not getting the traction, whatever it is. And I think having her in the background, being there as that coach, whether it's reassuring me, whether it's telling me what I need to hear, um, I think that's a really powerful thing. So, mm. yeah, that probably be my three. Yeah, that's a nice one. Oh, yeah. By the way, for those who don't know, um, Stacey Flowers did this TED Talk, which I found a few weeks ago. Really loved it. And it was about, um, she talked about five people you need to meet to make you happy. Um, 
of course, happy being a very broad definition. So first one is going back to your cheerleader. So somebody who supports you when you don't know or when you're really lost or you feel like the world is against you. Second one is your mentors, so people who point you to different directions. And I think just given from the massive resource, it really depends who you choose to be your mentor. Um, third one is the coach is somebody who makes you feel uncomfortable with an idea but slowly works you towards it because they know that if you are uncomfortable with it it prompts you to face it change um and perhaps it's for the better uh fourth one is your friend who knows your heart's desires and fifth one to peer who knows what's best for you within the context that you're placed in and so like i find that in addition to meeting those people it's whether you're allowing yourself to meet these people whether you're allowing yourself to listen um and to take your advice to take their advice as well as just being willing to work with what they've got because ultimately at the end of the day they're not literally dictating you what to do they're just giving you like signs for you to consider as well so i think that's really great (laughs) i think there's no greater thing that you can do um whether it's after leaving school or right now if you don't have a mentor than to reach out to four or five people that you are maybe inspired by, that interest you or that you admire Mm. and having a chat with them. Mm. Um, I think it's crazy that we get into degrees or jobs when we've never either experienced them before or even have someone there that we're able to have a chat with and say, well, what's this like? Mm. Doing uni at the moment, is that what the job looks like or is it different? Mm. Um, Because I I don't know if you felt the same way, but getting into the – getting into the real world and the and, and, and working for the company I do at the moment, that was a massive slap in the face um, because uni was completely different. Mm. Um, you know, we explored things at uni which were very abstract and creative and then you get into the working environment and it's like put that aside, this is the project, these are the four walls um, and this is these are the objectives that we need to get to, these are the milestones, this is our client. Um, and, yeah, I, I never had a mentor along the way that guided me towards that. Um, so I think mentors are very, very powerful if um, you're able to use them in the right way. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think that would be one of my biggest, actually, just, just from what you are talking about, that would be one of my biggest pieces of advice. Find a mentor or find a group of people that can actually guide you into what you want to do or think you want to do. Yeah, or even just to add, like, if you're not somebody who's really good at communicating with others, then do it bit by bit. It's not like it's an overnight success once again, but it's about be creative with the way you approach people. Cause I find that like, I tend to like to just make my presence a little bit here and there, or even say thank you messages about things that you've learned from them. And that way it's one way to build up conversations and such. And yeah. So like speaking of mentoring, is that what your initiation is? Like what Halen does is to be mentors, like building a community of mentors or what is the premise of it? Because I've always been quite curious about those principles and how do you use them going yeah, forward. For sure. So first and foremost, I think we want to build a community of like-minded individuals. Mm. So we, we, we want to get to the stage where people feel comfortable enough to reach out to us who don't really know what they want to do, mm. who haven't maybe identified a passion or a career path, um, and we want to mentor or guide them to create an environment that allows them to understand what they um, 
what they really want to do in life. Excuse me. So I think more importantly, it's about creating that environment. And the Halem Project was born from obviously my own retrospective journey, you know, getting to the stage where, shit, okay, don't really want to do architecture, <laughs> but I've just finished my degree. I'm about to get a job in it. Yeah. Um, but then I know I want to go down an entrepreneurial pathway. I want to have my own business. I want to create something that doesn't yet exist. But what is that? Hmm. And then I realised through my own journey it was, well, hang on, there's a gap in the, I believe there's a gap in the, the school and education and career system at the moment where we're jumping into careers, not really understanding why we're doing it. Hmm and not really understanding whether we love them or not. And so that's what we're trying to foster um, with the Halen Project is to build that community where people are actually sharing through passion and their story as opposed to their resume. So I think LinkedIn is great, but it'd be awesome if we could create a LinkedIn for our generation where people with no experience could still connect through passion as opposed to a resume or some, you know, 25 or 30 years of experience, which we don't have. Who knows? Maybe that's what your company or like your team will be doing is the future of LinkedIn, like that niche for people who are just before they go into uni, but it's just throughout education. And it's interesting because what we're talking here is is essentially the life skills that we need to build up as we keep living because you're meant like all these five people as we mentioned early on all the three that we first mentioned they're technically they're going to change at different stages of your life but it's important that we need to address that we are aware that we need these people very early on as well so all like we have unconsciously been with these types of people but just never being really aware of it when we're really young yeah for sure and i think we have i mean our mind works off of biases you know, we have a bias towards just about everything we do in life. Mm. Um, and I know that, you know, being being 20 or 21, I had a bias towards being, you know, in my tight-knit group and only speaking to the people that I spoke to because, well, no, why would I speak to that person? You know, they wouldn't understand me or mm. what do I have to offer them? And just doing Halen and trying to reach out and collaborate and partner with different people, at the start you're kind of like, well, what do I have to offer you? Like we're just starting off. We can't mm-hmm. offer you anything. And I think we all need to realise that human interaction is something that we all thrive off of. Mm. You know, that basic necessity that human interaction brings of just being able to converse like this. And you'd be so surprised at how many people, especially older people, are willing to catch up for a coffee to just chat about a common interest that you might have. Mm. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest things that we've been able to do with Halen is we reach out to people who have a much bigger following than us who mm. probably don't have the time um, to have a chat with us, but through sharing a common passion or interest with maybe going down an alternative path or the career system not working for them, they're keen to have a chat about that. And I think that can apply to absolutely anyone um, at any age. Um, and, yeah, it comes back to, I like what you said about starting small. Um, there's, a, there's a theory called the, the Kaizen theory. Mm. Um, K-A-I-Z-E-N, yeah, Kaizen theory. Mm. Uh, And it's about small, I think it's small thought leads to small action, which leads to small change. And so it's adopted by a lot of the Japanese um, businesses, as I think where where it was originally born. But if you try and do something overnight Mm. or 
something uncomfortable, um, your mind's going to freak out about it and it's going to only go back to what it only ever knows, mm. which is a comfortable place. Um, so if you can understand what you want to do and think, well, what's the smallest possible step that I can take tomorrow in order to get there? Mm. If, the, if, if it is getting in touch with someone and picking up the phone, if that's the scariest thing, then what's the smallest thing I can do? And maybe it's messaging, you know, someone that's a couple of years older than you that you knew through school and then maybe having a chat to them and working your way up to where you do one day feel comfortable having a chat to them. But you just need to start the conversation. We say at Halen, start the conversation. There is no great time to start, but start it. Yeah. Mm. Get things done. Um, I like, I think one of the, to bounce off from that, it's also like one of the favorite things I like to say is I'd rather regret something I've done than something I haven't done. So even if you make an embarrassment of yourself or like you just start ruminating over things that you've done, like past conversations, I'm guilty of that all the time. But at least you're putting yourself out there and trying things because there's no harm in just trying at the same time, right? Definitely. And I think about what I did or what I thought I was fearful of or what may have looked bad when I was 20 or 21 and I laugh about it now. Mm. So I think if you're having trouble with this, think about think back to a time where you thought it was scary doing something, and then once you did it, you realise it actually wasn't that scary. Yeah, nothing ever changes in life. It's just about you know evoking progressive change um, and continuing to to better yourself, as you're kind of alluding to. Yeah, definitely. And I think to perhaps close this conversation off, it's about like having compassion. Just be don't like obviously don't overshare everything share things that you think your past self is would like to hear because i feel like at the end of the day most of the conversations and advice we give to other people is generally on the basis of things i'd like to say to my past self or like things i'd like to say when i was younger and hopefully that's what the other side would like to hear really yeah, definitely. And, and from compassion comes reassurement. You know, there's nothing better than hearing from someone maybe older than you that, hey, it's okay, mm. like you're on the right path. Um, and I think, yeah, compassion is a massive thing. Mm. Um, and and the more that we do that, the more people that, that do that, I think it's it's more powerful, again, with, with understanding that, hey, I can be patient in what I'm doing and with where I'm going. Yeah, and just perhaps, like, just be aware that, Time is definitely, is going to be limited, but it's just, yeah, it will be always limited, but so learn to work with it as well. So yeah. it's something to keep in mind with. Yeah, exactly right. Work with it, don't work against it. Mm. And, and you're not alone, you know, I think a lot of the times, just sorry to close it off, a lot of the times you think, oh, I'm the only one going through this or um, I'm the only one that kind of has this problem and I think it's a, it's not a good mentality to get into because there's what 7 billion people in this earth and mm. all of them, um, I mean, at least one of them would have gone through something even um, a little or could resonate with at least something um, um, partially with what you're going through. Yeah. So I think that's a parent sharing, you know, putting yeah. this out there and sharing your story. Yeah. Anyhow, uh, to close off this whole conversation, once again, thank you for joining me and taking the time to just share about your experience and such. It's been such a long time since I've spoken to you and it's always great seeing you and just seeing all of our classmates really and what they're up to as well. 
Yeah, no, thank you so much for having me. And you, you hit the nail on the head. It's crazy seeing what everyone's doing now. Yeah. Uh, and being able to rehash the conversation and um, kind of tie that loose end. So, yeah, yeah. thank you for having me. And, um, yeah, hopefully hopefully this helps someone. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, do you have any media hand in handles that you'd like to plug in as well? Just yeah, I, I, all I would we say, can reach you. <laughs> yeah, all I would say is um, we're on Instagram as My Halen Project. Mm-hmm. So M Y H A L I N and Project. Um, we've got a website www.thehalenproject.com. Um, and if yeah, if you want to reach out to us, if anything that I said throughout this chat resonates with you, then um, yeah, please reach out to us because the more the merrier. Definitely. Well, I'll catch you another time and you can always find the things that we've mentioned in the notes. And yes, please subscribe and reach out if you've got any other conversations. But in the meantime, bye.